guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? Oh, my gosh. I'm doing okay. It has been quite a week. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good, bad, ugly? Well, I mean, a little of everything, I feel like. As right. you know, we've had like some drama with getting my kids in school. We had like yeah. a weird situation with their old school, and we were kind of scrambling to find a new school situation. And I've been panicking a little bit because school started here a week ago, and my kids like were not in school. But they are now, so nobody panic. Yay. Like they are officially enrolled in school. Um, but it was really stressful this week because – I don't know. You know, we start school really early here in Florida. So first of all, the first day of school already creeped up on me really fast. And then Uh the next thing I knew, like all of these things were happening. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? But we got it all figured out. But, you know, that was just a big fun time. I mean, it was interesting (laughs) to me to watch it, but I wouldn't want to be you in this situation. It was like a wild thing going on. And yeah, yeah. But like on my side, I felt really bad for you, but I was also fascinated. But then I would not want to be you in that situation. (laughs) either. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm I'm thankful that my kids are, um, we found a new school for them and uh, they're excited to be starting next week. So yeah, so we've been kind of just scrambling, getting everything together that they needed um, to get started and school supplies and all that fun stuff. Oh yeah. Definitely uh, fun, fun. So yeah, our friends up north will um, be doing all of that probably like right about now or pretty soon. Or like a month. I think they're in September. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like school started really early. Um, Even for us this year, I don't know, maybe it always starts this early. But for some reason, I just felt like, oh my gosh, the first week of August, like I was not ready. I was not prepared at all for school going back. So yeah. But yeah, so we're back to school and um, it's great. So yeah, we do have, of course, um, the... Labor Day holiday coming up, which I just have gripes about that. I wish we would just not go back to school until after Labor Day like everybody else, but yeah, I'll save that for um, somebody who cares. <laughs> I'm actually good with it because I can get stuff done when my kids are gone for 12 hours a week. It's a wonderful right. thing. So I'm okay with it. Mandy, do you want an update on uh, me being Rickrolled? I do because remember when we went to Nashville and you said maybe since I'm going to be gone for a few days, I'll come home and this will be over. Is that what you're going to tell me? Is it over? Okay. That did nothing to help the situation. But for (laughs) some reason, like four days ago, we have been Rick Astley free in our home for four days. My son literally just asked me not to play it anymore, which is fine. But even I kind of was getting comforted by Rick at night. So it's, it's, it's a new situation for me. It became the, a part of your routine. It is. It is. It's like, I'm like, well, you can't take Rick away from me. Um, but my <laughs> ne- nephew is spending the night tonight. And my sister said, oh, um, he was listening to Rick Astley, you know, getting prepared to come over here tonight. And I'm like, oh, well, too late. <laughs> it's over. We'll be on something else. So stay tuned for what comes next uh, with my son. He did tell people this week he got mad. And he said to me really loudly, I'm going to stick my middle finger up in public. And I was oh. like, wow, that <laughs> it's better than doing it. But the threat is really kind of funny. I enjoyed it. It is. It is. I love him. He's so yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like a congratulations is in order anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining or, you know, following my journey of uh, being Rickrolled. I'm sure there'll be something else soon. Just just stay tuned. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So um, I know we mentioned last week about our Patreon that we were going to be doing a new thing starting this month. Yeah. And um, we're doing that. I'm getting 
excited. I'm getting nervous. We're approaching our um, recording session for our Patreon episode, which, as we said last week, is going to be on video. And that's going to be something that we are um, going to start offering to our Patreon patrons. So if you want to check that out, now is a great time to sign up for Patreon. And I mean, maybe. Hopefully, it's a great time. Oh, gosh. I hope so. We're going to go on to the episode for this week and uh, move on to something more important. Today, we're talking about Hollywood. Oh, Hollywood. Melissa, you love Hollywood. And that's why I'm very excited that we're going to do a story out of Hollywood this week. Um, When people think of this iconic neighborhood, they see a vision of glamour and fame. It's nestled inside the bustling city of angels. And Hollywood is the home of the biggest players in the United States film industry, having film studios for world-renowned production companies such as Disney, Paramount Pictures, Warner Brothers, and Universal Studios. People come from all over the world to visit the Hollywood Walk of Fame and try to get a glimpse of a famous celebrity out in the wild. But Hollywood and Los Angeles aren't just all lights, camera, action. Like any major metropolitan area, there's plenty of unsavory activity to be found in and around these beautiful areas that we've come to associate with grandeur and elegance. Parts of the city are known for being quite seedy, like the area known as Skid Row, for example, which we've talked about that area a few times on the show, most notably in the episode about the Cecil Hotel that we did about maybe almost a year ago. I think it was around Halloween last year. Yeah. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about a gruesome crime scene that was discovered right in the Hollywood Hills near the world-famous Hollywood sign back in December of 2011. This case is pretty weird, so buckle up because we're going on a journey. January 17th, 2012 was a typical mild winter day in Los Angeles. The temperatures maxed out at around 62 degrees that afternoon, which made for the perfect weather for dog walking, which is what Lauren Kornberg and her mom were doing in Griffith Park at around 2.30 p.m. that evening. If you're not familiar with Griffith Park, that's okay. Many of us aren't. We're not all California girls. Um, But this park is actually a pretty big deal. It's one of the largest municipal parks in North America and covers over 4,500 acres of land. You can find many things to do within this park, including hiking, biking, cave exploring, no thanks, I will pass on that, yes, (laughs) golfing and tennis, pony and train rides. The Los Angeles Zoo is even there, and of course, an incredible view of the Hollywood sign on the sweeping hillside. All that to say, this wasn't a secluded park or a low traffic area in any way. This park is a major tourist destination in L.A., So as we said, these two women were out walking their dogs that afternoon when one of the nine dogs they had with them began frantically barking and digging at the ground. The women realized that this dog, which was a golden retriever named Ollie, had something in his mouth which he dropped in the commotion, and the object rolled into the ravine nearby. After taking a closer look, the women were horrified to realize what it actually was that they were looking at. Wrapped up inside of a plastic bag was a severed human head. At first, the women thought they were looking at a movie prop. After all, they're this close to Hollywood, and this area is really known for being used in filming and photo shoots, but it didn't take them long for them to figure out that this was no movie prop. It was a real human head, and the story that unfolded only became more and more appalling. I find it interesting that um, we've heard about this before in other cases where people find something like this or they discover something like this, and their first instinct is that it has to be fake. And I feel like that just goes – I don't know what it speaks to. I guess just the human emotion and brain that we don't want to accept that that's what we're actually right. seeing. But how – just horrific. I can't even imagine such a scenario of coming, you know, as you know, I do a lot of trail walks and runs. And if I ever came across something, I just can't, I 
I really can't put myself in the shoes of these people who found this. No. And normally we hear like, okay, a, a bone and they even have to see, is it an animal bone? Is it a person, you know, a human bone, but to find a human, you know, a severed human head, that's a totally different ball game. That's not, you know, is this what I think it is? It's definitely what you think it is. And, you know, you've got to call the police and I cannot imagine coming in contact with that. So detectives with the LAPD responded to the scene with the coroner to recover the head. While officers were on the scene searching the area for more evidence, they discovered more severed human remains. The hands and feet of the victim were found on a short distance away in a shallow grave that was big enough for a body, but there were no other remains found. The investigation began with the coroner transporting the remains to the lab where an autopsy was performed. And we're using the term autopsy pretty loosely since there was no torso. An examination is probably a better term for what they were doing. The coroner concluded that the remains did belong to one victim, a man in his mid-60s with salt and pepper hair. Whoever had done this had great knowledge of how to dismember a human body, including exactly where to make the cuts. According to the coroner's report, the victim was strangled to death before the dismemberment. Luckily for the investigators, it appeared that the body parts had been kept cold prior to being dumped on the trail, and the decomposition was still in the very early stages, so they were able to take the fingerprints off the severed hands for further forensic testing. On January 19, 2012, just two days later, police identified the remains with the fingerprints as belonging to a local man named Hervey Medellin Coronado, who just happened to have been reported missing the day before his dismembered body parts were found. Hervey Medellin was a well-seasoned man living out his retirement in Hollywood Hills after spending 20 years working for Mexicana Airlines as a flight attendant. His caring and outgoing personality made him perfect for that career, but by the time he was in his mid-60s, he was ready to put the busy travel life behind him and settle down. Although Hervey kept in touch with many of his previous co-workers, he now spent his days enjoying nature and exploring the rugged hillside near his apartment in Hollywood. Hervey was at a stage of his life where he was really comfortable and just living. He traveled often, with some of his favorite places to visit being in Europe. The trail where Hervey's remains were discovered was a trail that he actually wandered often, either alone or with his dog. In addition to enjoying the great outdoors, Hervey was fond of expensive art pieces, and he loved to invest in his very posh art collection. It was on January 16, 2012, that Hervey was first reported missing by a man who identified himself as Hervey's roommate. His name was Gabriel Campos Martinez, and he told the officers that Hervé had gone to Tijuana, Mexico for business on December 26, 2011, and that he was supposed to have returned by January the 6th, but he had not returned and Gabriel was now concerned. Gabriel was escorted to the police station where he was encouraged to file a missing persons report, although at this time he said that he didn't think this was anything really concerning, but Hervé wasn't back when he said he was supposed to be, so he just wanted to, you know, tell the police. For some reason, I don't know what he thought the police were going to do. Just be like, oh, thanks for letting us know. Yeah, um, but yeah. when they, they when they were asked it. Yeah, right. But when they were asking him to file a police report, he was kind of like, oh, no, no, never mind. Like, it's actually not that big of a deal. But they said, no, you should report your roommate missing. So he did file a report. Later on that day, he actually went back to the police station crying hysterically. And he asked for a copy of the report that he had just made earlier. Now, just a few days later, some of Hervey's remains had been found. As we mentioned before, detectives located Hervey's decapitated head, hands, and feet, but during their search of the area, they were unable to find his torso or any other remains. 
Investigators got right to work trying to figure out who would want Hervey dead and who would kill him and dispose of his body in such a horrific manner. The story quickly took off in local media with sensationalized headlines such as Mystery of the Hollywood Head, and it truly was a mystery. But there were a few theories that the police began to chase after. In the early part of the investigation, officers took canine units to the apartment where Hervey had been living with his roommate Gabriel. They conducted a thorough search and sweep of the apartment and found nothing that would indicate foul play or anything suspicious had taken place there. Certainly nothing that would suggest that he was killed or dismembered in his own apartment. The apartment was really spotless for the most part, and the very first thing you really noticed when you walked in was the extensive fine art collection that Hervey had spent time curating. His collection was actually so extensive that his apartment looked more like an art gallery or a museum. It contained art from famous painters in Mexico, including pieces done by Diego Rivera. These art pieces are not cheap, and Hervey was really just a retired airline employee, so investigators wondered how he even obtained all this fine art in the first place. And they also questioned whether or not Hervey may have had a hit put on him because the art he had was so, so valuable. Another theory that gained traction in the case was the possibility that Hervey had gotten caught up in the Mexican drug cartel and that they were the ones that were behind his brutal murder. This theory popped up after police got a tip about Hervey's past in the Mexican airline he used to work for. Apparently, Mexicana Airlines had been involved in a drug smuggling scandal back in the 90s while Hervey was an employee. They learned that Hervey played a role in the smuggling operation by acting as a sort of concierge to the wives of the cartel members. He would help them get into the hotels and take them on shopping trips in Beverly Hills. He would direct them to the finest restaurants, you know, whatever they really needed. Officers wondered if the cartel paid Hervey in expensive art instead of cash. There was also the fact that Hervey had been beheaded, which investigators thought could be the signature of the cartel who was notorious for beheadings. Strangely enough, another theory was that Hervey's neighbor may have had something to do with it. This neighbor was a bodyguard for Brad Pitt. And weirdly enough, Brangelina lived very close to where Hervey's remains were found, and investigators actually spoke with bodyguards at their home when they were canvassing the area nearby. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, this was this part really perked my ears up. So, of course, Brangelina and their bodyguard were quickly ruled out as suspects, but crazy that they were even, you know. Yeah, that they knocked on their <laughs> spoken door. Spoken to. Yeah, wow, that's, a, yeah. that's a strange one. So as investigators worked to look into these theories, they learned about a similar crime that was discovered in Tucson, Arizona. Arizona authorities had found a torso that was dumped on the side of the road, and they wondered if it could be Hervey's torso all the way in Arizona. DNA testing ended up proving that the torso was not Hervey's. It was actually too decomposed to have come from Hervey's body. But one of the most interesting theories in this case, interesting really to true crime fanatics and connoisseurs anyway, was that now this well-known name in true crime was behind Hervey's murder or a possibility of being behind his murder. And that person was Luca Magnata. Oof. Yikes. I can't even hear that name. (laughs) Let me tell you, on Twitter one time, I tweeted something. I don't even know what it was. And the person that replied to me said something and his name said Luca Magnata, and oh, no. I thought I would. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what the rules are in Canada. Why is, do people is do he? that? Oh I gosh, don't know. That. It's it's stuck with me. It's probably been almost four years that that happened, and it just freaked me out. So we will get back into many more details after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors.
you've ever done a closet clean out, I know you've found tons of items you've bought with the best of intentions. Items you swore you'd wear, but now they just end up hidden behind an ugly Christmas sweater from your Aunt Jan. Not only have I done this with clothes that I'm so-so about, but I'm also guilty of this with purses. But now, instead of searching through my closet through a sea of things I kind of like, I've minimized it with things I love. And one of those things is my gorgeous Kuyana bag. Kuyana is all about a fewer, better things lifestyle. Kuyana knows you not only want a long-lasting bag, but a beautiful one that you'll love and treasure to boot. They have been making classic pieces for over 10 years, including their leather bags that are not only timeless and functional, but also versatile for all occasions, whether you're going out or headed to the office. I've been getting a ton of use out of my classic structured leather tote this summer. Not only is it roomy enough to hold everything that I need, but it also comes in handy when my kids treat me like a pack mule and want me to hold their things too. It's made with luxurious Italian leather and has pockets inside to hold my smaller items for quick retrieval, so I'm not digging through a sea of tech deck bikes to find my phone. This tote was designed to be versatile for everyday wear, and I have put it to the test myself in both casual and dressy environments, and it's safe to say this bag gets this mom's seal of approval. Kuyana never goes on sale, but as a special offer, our listeners can receive 10% off your first order over $150 plus free shipping. Visit kuyana.com slash moms to get your individual code. That's C-U-Y-A-N-A dot com slash moms. Start shopping fewer, better at kuyana.com slash moms. Let's face it, we live in a world full of conveniences. If I need to pay a bill, boom, I just pay it online. Buy groceries for the family that claims I never feed them, no problem, just order grocery delivery. Pay someone to stand in line for me at the post office? I mean, thanks to the internet, I guess I could, but why do that when I can send mail anywhere, anytime, right from my computer? Thanks to stamps.com, I can do just that. Stamps.com literally brings the U.S. Postal and UPS shipping services right to your door. If you're a small business owner like us, we know you wear a lot of hats. Take one thing off your list by using Stamps.com to do things like printing postage and shipping labels 24-7 without ever having to leave the house and without buying any fancy equipment. You just need your computer and a printer. And using Stamps.com is a total no-brainer. You can get deals you can't get anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS and up to 66% off UPS shipping rates. Stamps.com allows me to save so much time by sending out Patreon perks from my house. I'm even able to send things internationally, all from my computer while watching another season of whatever trash TV I'm into at the moment. Stop wasting time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There's no risk. And with our promo code, Moms and Murder, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Moms and Murder. That's Stamps.com, promo code Moms and Murder. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Now back to the episode. Okay, welcome back. Hi, Melissa. Welcome back. Hey. <laughs> okay. So before- I actually enjoyed that very much. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I got, thought I would surprise you there this time. Um, <laughs> so before the break, we were talking about the murder of Hervey Medellin, who was really just this retired airline employee who had been discovered, dismembered, and parts of his body were found in the Hollywood Hills, really close to the Hollywood sign. We've already been on quite a journey with theories about what could have happened to this man and how he died. One of the theories even involved 
Brangelina, they were not involved. But now we are up to the point in the story where the police were kind of chasing this theory that Luca Magnata may have had something to do with Hervé Medellin's death. So we're going to take a little sidestep here and briefly go over who Luca Magnata is. But most of you who listen to our show probably already know him. He's a pretty big, well-known name in true crime. He really became even more well-known when the documentary called Don't F With Cats came out um, on Netflix. And that was really popular. And I think a lot of people really learned who he was after that. So just really quickly, Luca Magnata is one of really the most frightening human beings on this planet, in my opinion. And he became known after he murdered and dismembered a university student named June Lin. Luca then mailed the victim's hands and feet to elementary schools and federal political party offices and shared a video of his victim's beheading online. He then fled the country and headed for Berlin, where he was eventually arrested a month later. He's truly a depraved man who is infamous for his absolutely abhorrent and inhumane treatment of people and animals. The Netflix documentary title really tells you all you need to know about this guy and the terrible things that he did. Although investigators thought this was a promising lead due to the similarities between these two cases, they in the end were unable to link Magnata to Hervé's death and even concluded that he hadn't visited L.A. really since long before Hervé was killed. So while this was very popular in the media and, of course, people on social media really went wild with this, you know, was it Luca Magnata? Right. Um, It ended up just being another really weird dead end in this case. So having nowhere else to really turn, the detectives went back to Hervé's closest circle and they revisited the possibility that his roommate Gabriel may know more than he originally told them. Thinking back to their first encounter with Gabriel, he was acting rather odd. He told the police officers that Hervé went to Mexico on business on December 26th, but other people that knew Hervé really doubted that he went on such a trip at all. One of his good friends, who was a Mexican actress named Ophelia Medina, spoke to him on December 26th. She had actually called to inform him that her ex-husband passed away, and this was news that Hervé was allegedly very sad to hear. They all knew each other from living in Mexico, and Hervé was really good friends with Ophelia's husband as well, so he was very sad to get this news. Ophelia told the authorities that when she talked to Hervé that day, he never mentioned a thing to her about traveling Mm -hmm. to Tijuana the next day. She said that she was actually expecting to hear back from Hervé on New Year's Day, but he never contacted her again. When Gabriel told Ophelia that Hervé had gone to Mexico, she was instantly suspicious because Hervé was not the kind of person to take a spur of the moment or an unplanned trip like that, and as we said, he didn't mention to her that he was going to be doing that. The detectives decided to contact Border Patrol agents, and they tried to find out if they had any record of Hervé crossing the border in late December but there was no evidence that he had tried to go down there at all. So investigators decided to interview Gabriel again, hoping to find out more information about this alleged business trip. Once again, Gabriel says he has no idea what happened to his roommate, but that he last spoke to him in early January. He said Hervey had been calling him with this calling card to contact him from Mexico, and police did find phone records that seemed to support this claim. There were several calls from a calling card company during the time that Gabriel said he was in communication with Hervey. During the second interview with Gabriel, police asked him if he knew of anyone who would want to hurt Harvey. Gabriel then confessed that his ex-boyfriend, William Ladewig, had recently been harassing him. Gabriel then revealed to officers that he wasn't just roommates with Hervey, the two were actually in a relationship together, and he went on to explain how they met. 
In the spring of 2010, Hervey was walking his dog whenever he ran into Gabriel and his partner, William. Hervey was always a sociable person and always making friends in really random places. Gabriel was also from Mexico and was in LA looking for work. The two ended up exchanging numbers after Hervey offered to walk Gabriel's dog anytime he needed a dog walker. Despite the 26-year age gap and the fact that Gabriel was in a relationship already with William, he and Hervey had chemistry and eventually they began having a relationship of their own. This ended up coming between Gabriel and William and the two broke up, but William was really upset about this whole thing. According to Gabriel, William had been threatening them since they had split. They had been together for three years and allegedly had a really hard time accepting this breakup. He told Hervey and Gabriel that he was going to ruin their lives. At one point, William even left a bag of horse manure on their porch. Oh, no. Mandate. Why doesn't anybody leave a... I would leave a bag of cow poop if I was going to do it. So then somebody would say... I wouldn't because I have to go get the cow... I have to get the poop. Like, no, thank you. That's Mandy, they would see it and they would say, what is this bullshit? And you would say, (laughs) yes, exactly. (laughs) And then everybody could laugh. Um, But no, he chose horse manure. I would choose no manure. I would not... I'm not putting poop on somebody's porch. I don't, it seems no. more like a punishment for you than them. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm, no. Mm-mm. You had no, to get you. it and you put it in a bag. It's just in a bag for them. It's right. like Uber Eats, but not, <laughs> <laughs> but don't. So Uber terrible. Eats, but don't. Yeah. Right. So William harassed the couple so much, though, that Hervey even changed his phone number and he and Gabriel actually took out a restraining order on William. Wow. Yeah. So investigators looked into this love triangle allegation. William agreed to speak to the police, and he admitted that he had done some stupid things like putting the horse poop on the porch, but he said he absolutely had nothing to do with any murder. The investigators asked if William would be willing to submit a polygraph, and he agreed to do it. But interestingly, he failed this polygraph test. However, he did have an airtight alibi, and... Through other means, the officers were able to determine that he was not the one to kill Hervey. But it's still interesting to me that he failed the polygraph test, even though we know that they can be untrustworthy and they're not even allowed in court. So like that, to be used like as evidence in a case or anything. Right. But it still is interesting to me that he failed the test, you know, even though they were able to like rule him out as a suspect yeah. in the end. It's just interesting. It's always like, an, like a thing you have in the back of your head whenever you hear it, whether they're completely reliable or not it's still when you hear somebody failed it you're like oh okay well yeah maybe there's a reason right so as the months passed the investigation was progressing really really slowly and there were no arrests and they really just had no idea you know what direction to go in at this point gabriel was struggling to pay the rent at the hollywood apartment that he and hervey were living in and he ended up having to move to san antonio to live with his brother so he has to pack up and move to another state Up until Hervey's murder, Gabriel was pretty financially dependent on him, and Hervey took care of most of Gabriel's needs. As it turned out, they'd been dating for about a year, and they even had a joint bank account together, although it's unclear if their relationship was really out in the open or not. Um, Hervey's niece told the media that after he was killed, she had no idea that he was even in a relationship at all. But a friend of Hervey's did appear to be aware of this relationship because they told the investigators that Hervey met Gabriel on the hiking trail pretty close to where his body parts were later found. But the investigators really had their suspicions about Gabriel from the beginning, and they stayed focused on finding evidence to prove these suspicions. Going back to square one and reviewing what they knew to be true kind of helped them along. 
The fact of the matter was Gabriel had been the one who told the officers that Hervey went to Mexico and never came back. But when officers checked with Border Patrol and Mexican authorities, they could find no proof that Hervey ever went to Mexico. They found no tickets that had been purchased. There were no gas stations that he stopped at along the way. And the officers learned also, in addition to this, that Gabriel had done a couple of other really weird things. And one of them was that he transferred Hervey's Social Security direct deposit payments to uh, from Hervey's account into the account that had both of their names on it. So presumably he could have access to it. This is something he did after Hervey was killed. So definitely looks a little bit suspicious when you're moving right. a dead person's money to an account, you know, that has your own name on it. That doesn't look very good. Right. And as police continued digging, it became more and more clear that Gabriel may have had some sinister motives. A neighbor that lived in the same condominium told police that he had recently heard a lot of yelling and commotion coming from the floor above him, where Hervey and Gabriel lived about three weeks earlier. A computer from the couple's apartment was taken to be analyzed, and what they found on the computer definitely raised some questions. Searches on the computer showed that someone was looking at several diamond and gold websites, which raised the question, was Gabriel looking to steal or sell some of Hervey's expensive belongings? But the most incriminating thing that was found on the computer was something more shocking and in your face. Gabriel had made searches for sausage making tools and meat saws on Christmas Day 2011, and then on December 27th, the last day Hervey was seen alive, Gabriel accessed an article online titled, Butchering of the Human Carcass for Human Consumption. Gotta be honest, Mandy, we look up a lot of weird stuff on our computers we do. Uh, thanks to this show. But if I am ever on the article, Butchering of the Human Carcass for Human Consumption, I want somebody to start asking questions about right. <laughs> I feel like that definitely deserves a little more looking into. That is That is a new one for me. So this article, of course, talks in great detail about how one would go about cutting up a human body, including directions for exactly where to make cuts on different parts of the body, as well as how to drain it of blood. Unfortunately, as damning as this all looks, this was still just a bunch of circumstantial evidence, and they still had nothing solid to really tie Gabriel to the actual murder. By this point, Gabriel's moved off to of San Antonio and started a totally new life, although he did keep in touch with authorities in California periodically. Gabriel began working at the local convention center as a waiter, and he shortly fell in love and got married. Gabriel's new wife apparently had no idea that he'd recently been in a relationship with a man who was recently murdered and dismembered, which seems like information you might want to say. Right. Like, this was a really crappy time in my life. Oh, right. my gosh. Did I tell you when my boyfriend was beheaded? Like, that's... Right. That's and, like, a... that's, and, like, right before I moved here to Texas, right. I came from California because that happened. Like, yeah, yeah, that's something you would absolutely share with a new person in your life. Right? What brings you to Texas? The barbecue? I mean, I feel like right. there's a little background that you could have shared there. So two whole years have passed, and it seems like Hervey's murder was less likely to be solved really with each passing day. But then in 2014, two new detectives from the robbery homicide division took a new look at the case. The detectives reached out to Gabriel and told him that they would be passing through San Antonio and wanted to know if he'd just want to meet with them just to talk. Gabriel agreed and suggested that they meet at the hotel where the detectives were staying. Investigators looked more closely into the phone records that they originally looked at when the murder first took place. You'll remember that we said earlier that investigators did find several calls from Mexico, and that's one of the reasons they originally let Gabriel go, because his story appeared to really check out at first. 
But now the new officers that were looking into the crime found something else. The numbers that were listed on the phone records that were originally thought to be from calls with Hervey turned out to be a number for a friend of Hervey's that lived in Mexico. This was a longtime friend of Hervey's. This lady was actually calling Gabriel to check on the whereabouts of Hervey. At this point, police thought that Gabriel was really looking like their guy for sure. It's definitely a lot of circumstantial evidence, but everything at this point seems to be suggesting that Gabriel was the one responsible for Hervey's murder. Taking all of the evidence they did have into account, investigators wondered if the motive was that Hervey was planning to break up with Gabriel, and Gabriel was terrified of what that would mean for him. And in March of 2014, authorities would find another missing piece of the puzzle. An L.A. County worker was inside a cave that's commonly known as the Batcave, as it's actually the site of filming many scenes from the Batman TV series. This worker was using a loader and digging in the cave when he unearthed the decomposing torso of Hurdy Medellin, wrapped in plastic. Upon closer inspection, it was realized that the plastic was actually plastic sheathing that was typically used for protecting artwork. And that same type of plastic sheeting was found in Hervey's apartment two years earlier. With this new discovery, authorities now had enough to charge Gabriel with Hervey's murder. Detectives then headed for San Antonio, where Gabriel was now living. And we'll get back into more of the story after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. If you're looking to solve mysteries aside from the case of the missing socks in the dryer, check out Echoes. Echoes is the audio mystery game you'll have to hear to believe. With Echoes, you're in charge of solving the mystery. We all like to think we're the genius in our friend group. Now's the perfect time to prove it. With Echoes, you can play the game with up to six of your closest friends or all on your own. All you need is the Echoes game cards and one player needs to download the Echoes app. It's that easy. Mandy and I received the cards for the game called The Cocktail. I simply opened my app, grabbed the cards, and got started. The object of the game is to take the story cards, scan them, and listen to their echoes or stories. And after listening, you work to put them all in order of chapters, and then the story overall. My favorite feature is that I'm able to check my progress as I go along, so I'm not headed in one direction that's totally wrong before figuring it out. And the game cards are just that cards. So it's easy to throw in your purse to play if you're waiting for your kids in the carpool line or headed to a friend's house for dinner. Either way, you'll have a great time trying to solve Echoes and you can't beat the price of $9.99 for each game. Look for Echoes on Amazon, in Target, and at friendly local game stores. We all love a good vacation, but planning a vacation is anything but a vacation. Everything from where you want to go to what you want to do and where you want to stay. By the time I've opened up my browser to get started, the only thing I'm ready to plan for is a nap. But thanks to Apple Vacations, when I want to schedule my next family getaway, they're there to help me get it all planned. Apple Vacations is your one-stop shop for the summer vacation of your dreams. Apple Vacations has been around for more than 50 years and is known as America's favorite vacation company for good reason. They want to help you plan affordable and top-quality vacation packages, including round-trip airfare, hotel accommodations, meals, drinks, entertainment, and tips. I'm excited to plan our next vacation with Apple Vacations. With destinations throughout Mexico, the Caribbean, and even Central and South America and Hawaii, there's no need to open 50 tabs on your browser to do it yourself when the great folks at Apple Vacations literally do this for a living. And because life can be unpredictable, you can book confidently when you add Travel Protection Plus to your trip, which means you can cancel or change your reservation at no additional change fees. For a limited time, you can take $75 off your stay at Live Aqua, located in Cancun or Punta Cana with promo code SAN75. Go to applevacations.com slash moms-murder to get this steal of a deal to your favorite live aqua in Cancun or Punta Cana today. 
step into the glitzy world of June's journey and prepare for an adventure that's out of this world. Get ready to ditch the dull and dive into a world where mystery meets glamour and where June Parker's drama-filled escapades will have you hooked faster than you can say flapper dress. Whether you're itching for a whodunit fix or just craving an escape from the mundane, June's journey is your ticket to excitement. Follow June as she unravels family secrets and untangles the web of mystery surrounding her sister's death. It's like joining a high society soiree, but with way more intrigue and way fewer dull conversations about the weather. Just kidding. You know we love a weather chat. So slip into your virtual flapper dress and immerse yourself in a world where every corner holds a new clue and every twist keeps you guessing. But hold on to your pearls because June's journey isn't just another run-of-the-mill mobile game. I'm already knee-deep in the fifth chapter of June's journey, and each chapter is more fun than the last. From the breathtaking scenery to the toe-tapping music, everything about June's journey screams class. So what are you waiting for? Step into June's world and let the adventure begin. Can you crack the case? Download June's journey for free today on iOS and Android. And now back to the episode. Before the break, we were just talking about how officers from California who were looking into the now two-year-old case of Hervey Medellin's death and dismemberment, they have narrowed down their suspects pretty much to Gabriel and figured out that he is most likely the one responsible for this murder. So Gabriel is now living in San Antonio, Texas, and these two detectives, Detective Stearns and Detective Marsha, are going there to meet with him. The meeting was on March 9th, 2014, and it was intentionally kept kept very cool and casual so as not to make Gabriel really clam up or deflect the way that he had in the beginning when he was interviewed by the police. Before the three men met, the two officers had already talked about their thoughts on Gabriel and whether or not they believed that he had a potential motive or motives for killing Hervey. Gabriel only had about a half an hour to spare for these officers and for the whole 30 minutes, all he did was talk. The officers almost never stopped to interrupt Gabriel while he was giving his account of what happened. They just simply listened to what he had to say. One thing that struck the detectives as being interesting was that Gabriel had quickly moved on to this entirely different life in which he was now in this relationship with a woman. They were married and he was living with her. Officers thought it was strange considering that he had just come from a totally different life than that in California and they thought at the very least Gabriel's shirt was adaptable, and of course, in the worst case scenario, he is a con artist. As it turned out, Gabriel was an undocumented non-U.S. citizen, and the LAPD actually knew this, but they did not give him any trouble about it or have him deported because they actually wanted him to stay close, and they worried that if they had sent him back to his home country, they would lose him forever in this investigation. So they let him continue living in the U.S., while Gabriel was living with Hervey, he had this comfortable life and, you know, Hervey had financial security and a pension and Gabriel talked about these happy times that they had together. They loved hiking and walking their dogs and they really just got this impression that Gabriel was very comfortable in his life with Hervey, which kind of confirmed their suspicions that maybe this killing was motivated because Gabriel felt like Hervey was pulling away from him or right. was going to end this relationship. So throughout this whole meeting with Gabriel, the two investigators kept excusing themselves. They would say they had to take a call or use the restroom. But in reality, there was actually a whole team of officers just down the hall. Keep in mind, they're at a hotel where they're having this um, this meeting. And there's other officers, a whole team down the hall in another room watching the interview, 
fact-checking everything that Gabriel is saying and these other officers that are interviewing him are going to leave to check with this team to get guidance kind of on what wow. direction to take this conversation and what subjects that they need to try and avoid and pull back from because maybe those subjects are likely to cause Gabriel to turn uncooperative. So this is really a whole operation that they have going on. And Gabriel yeah. has no idea that all of this is happening behind the scenes. So surprisingly, surprisingly to the police anyway, that even though Gabriel told them he only had 30 minutes to spare, he ended up calling into work and staying for hours talking to them, all on his own accord. Later that afternoon, he even called his wife and said he was going to be late coming home Whoa. because he was still talking to the police. As the hours passed, the conversation with Gabriel really started to become more and more unpredictable. He started sharing details about his life with Hervey and revealed that he had actually been angry with Hervey in the time leading up to his murder. But when the conversation started going towards the actual hours around when Hervey was killed, Gabriel suddenly lost all his recollection of detail and his story started becoming fragmented and really inconsistent. After a while, Gabriel started saying things that contradicted already known facts in the case. Like, he told them that Herbie called him from Mexico on specific days that the police already knew he did not receive any calls mm. on. In another strange comment, Gabriel randomly brought up the fact that a medicinal but also toxic tea can be made from the Datura plant. And this stood out because they questioned whether or not maybe this was how Gabriel could have rendered Herbie unconscious before dismembering him. This is totally him just digging his own grave. They're not, you know, they're not it's holding him or doing vomit. anything. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. like, this is another thing that you we hear have heard of before where it's like the police are not even, they're not inquiring. They're not asking anything. And you have a suspect that's just in there running their mouth and just telling everything. Right. I think it's a nervousness thing. For sure. For like sure. They're, they're think... overcompensating by trying to act mm -hmm. natural that they're just spilling everything and not even thinking like, what am I saying? You know, that, yeah. that they're paying attention to what I'm saying, but like I'm not paying as much attention as I should be to what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I hate uncomfortable silences so much. And you and I have talked about this, even at the dentist, if they're working on my mouth, like I feel like I need to talk because like, why is it so quiet in here? Right. <laughs> but it's like a weird, like it's a thing for me where I'm like, it's too quiet. So this is awkward. So I can see how you can get into these situations where you're just word vomiting and nobody's right. stopping you because they yeah. want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Yeah. So after spending over five hours listening Whoa. to Gabriel talk, officers let him walk free. But later that same day, the LADA's office issued a warrant for his arrest. In the end, they were never able to get a confession out of Gabriel, and the case against him was entirely based on the circumstantial evidence that we discussed. Gabriel was the only person in Hervey's life that investigators believed would have any reason to hurt him, and he was the only one known to definitely have access to that plastic sheeting that Hervey's torso was wrapped in. Gabriel went to trial for the murder in 2015, but he never gave authorities any motive or admission that he killed Hervey at all. Prosecutors presented a story of love gone sour and said that Gabriel had planned this carefully. He looked up information online about exactly how to do it, and then they said that he strangled Hervey to death before dismembering his body. During the trial, the only time Gabriel showed any emotion was when photos of Hervey were shown. On November 16th, 2015, the jury deliberated for a short time. I think in one source I read it was just about two hours, and they returned with a guilty verdict. Gabriel was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. 
From start to finish, this story really provided the media with plenty of clickbait and views. The head beneath the Hollywood sign was something that everybody in the area knew about. People pointed out how crazy it was that this case was similar to something that you might see in a movie, um, which is really true. And it's, you know, it happened in Hollywood. And as we said, this just seems so horrific and out there. Like, how could this be even a real case? But that's really how the people of LA felt, especially that lived there. To this day, the judge that presided over the case says that they never really did get an answer to the question of why Gabriel did this. He is now 45 years old and he's incarcerated at the Chuckawalla Valley State Prison and he will be eligible for parole, but not until February of 2033. Wow, this is one that I had not heard of, heard of, and I'm yeah. actually very surprised. Yeah, I was telling you uh, off mic, off mic, <laughs> if you will, before yeah. the uh, before we started recording that, yeah, I kind of stumbled on this when I was looking into a different case that happened in the Hollywood area that I might still go back to and do a little bit later. And I was going down a rabbit hole and this case was kind of similar and I ended up getting accidentally off on another link and reading about this one. And I was like, actually, I'm going to switch gears and do this <laughs> one instead um, because this one was really interesting and just had a lot of interesting things about it. Yeah, for sure. Really sad. It's just crazy that they really couldn't even find a real motive. You know, it's just the possibility that he was going to break up with him, but they don't know for sure. I'd be interested to know more if, you know, if this was something that happened before with Gabriel in relationships or, you know, kind of what his his story is because it's interesting. Yeah, I'd love to know more about his background and, you know, what was he doing before he met Hervey? You know, where was he living? Because, you know, he didn't have really an income of his own to support himself. So, yeah, I would definitely be interested in finding out more about his background. Unfortunately, I did try and find more, but there wasn't much that wasn't related to this case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, very, very interesting story. So. We are going to turn the page on that note and do a little last thing before we go. Yes. Yay. Yay. Do you want me to explain this? Yes, please. (laughs) I love it when you explain the last thing before you goes that you come up with. Thank you so much. Um, I love sending these to you like with voice to text because it's always even (laughs) crazier than I actually mean. And I'm like, wow, this is really bad. Um, So this week we talked about Brangelina for half of a second in the very beginning part of the story. But I thought, let's do something Brangelina related. So I know a really unhealthy amount of things about Brad Pitt. I don't know that much about Angelina Jolie, to be totally honest. So I pulled some Brad Pitt facts from Wikipedia. And Mandy, I think you pulled some Angelina Jolie facts. I did. From Wikipedia? Okay. So we're just going to give each other true-false questions, right? Is that what you did? That's right. Did I explain it? Okay. Perfect. Um, And so we're just going to do that. Go back and forth. Mandy, would you like to kick it off with the first Angelina fact to see if I see how well I know... Angelina Jolie for no reason. Perfect. All right. So the first one is Angelina was extremely popular in high school and envied by other students for her beauty. True or false? I've seen her high school pictures. I would say yes, but I bet she'll say no. I say yes. Well, it is actually false. She was bullied relentlessly for being too thin, wearing braces and glasses. And this was at Beverly Hills High School. Well, of course. Apparently, she was teased for being... Angelina Jolie, I guess. She was beautiful. I've seen jealous. pictures of yeah. her. No, no, no. <laughs> That's lies. That's what every hot person says that they right. were up in high school. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, you weren't. Come see some pictures of me and my five head. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mandy. Brad Pitt attended Kickapoo High School, where he was a member of the golf, swimming, and tennis teams. True or false? I'm going to say false. I don't think. 
Is he athletic? I don't know. Brad Pitt's athletic. I don't know. Um, it's true, but I just thought the name Kickapoo is such a fun name for a high school. Kickapoo High School. Yeah. That's a real place, apparently. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Mandy, next one. Okay. So Angelina made her debut in 1993 when she appeared in a really weird movie called Cyborg 2, where she played the lead role of a cyborg who was designed to explode when she did the hanky panky. Oh, um, I'm going to say true. And I want to see this movie. This is yeah, fascinating. It is a is true, true freaking story. Yes. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's called Cyborg 2. Obviously, it's a part of a like sequel. But um, what if it, it wasn't? What really if it was weird. just Cyborg 2? <laughs> what like, if they Cyborg just it 1? That? It was so terrible. We didn't even release it. We went straight to yeah. Cyborg 2. Yeah. So, But in 1993, and she was 18 years old when she took this role. Whoa. And I guess I just... I feel really terrible for saying this. I thought Angelina Jolie was older than that. I thought she'd been around longer than that. Okay, Mandy, what you're forgetting is 1993 is almost 30 years ago. I know. So that's where the math is getting screwed up for you. You're thinking thinking 1993 was 20 years ago. I know. Years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So that makes her what, like 45, 47, something like that? I'm not doing the math exactly. I know. I have no idea. Okay, but yeah, she's in her 40s. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a 1993 thing. It did it for me. Okay, Mandy, Brad Pitt was named Sexiest Man Alive for People Magazine in 2005, 2010, and 2015. I feel like you're trying to trick me with the dates, but I'm going to mm. say true. Ooh, listen to your gut. I tricked you <laughs> with the dates. He was only for uh, 2005 and 2010. He was not 2015. Somebody sexier came along apparently that year. Oh. Or that was like the year Blake Shelton got it for no reason at all. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I love Blake Shelton, but I don't describe him as sexy. Okay, no. moving on, moving right along. <laughs> I'm sorry if you disagree. Um, okay, so here's one about Angelina. When Angelina was a teenager, her dream was not to become a famous actress actress sorry but instead to become a funeral director true true true, true, true. Yes. i believe that a million true. percent me she went too that weird goth blood. phase where she wore blood around her neck or whatever yes of Bo- uh, what was his name billy bob thornton right i read an article about them when i was like maybe 20 and it changed my life i read some things in there that i just did not know people were into and i was very very confused and such an oddly matched my hair. eyes were opened and i've I've just never been the same since then. Truly life-changing, that article for me. Okay, (laughs) next one. Um, I'm just going to do two more, I guess. Um, Let's see. Uh, Brad Pitt has seven children with Angelina Jolie. True or false? False. Don't they have six? Good job. Yeah, they have six kids. I can't name them. Knox, Vivian. I can name a couple. Shiloh. Shiloh is the first one, right? Sahara. Sahara. And Pax. Pax, Knox, and who else? Knox. Oh yeah, there you go. Because they all have we ex- do. The boys have X's in their last name. I think we know them. We know their wow. children's um, names. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm very. I'm impressed with me. I'm not impressed. I mean, I'm always impressed with you, but I know. It, Say it again. Your your knowledge of like celebrities Careful. just doesn't impress me anymore because. <laughs> I, I feel, feel like, like there's a nicer way to say that or just like you're always impressed with it. And so they I did. I said that. That was the, that's what it. I said first. I said, I'm always impressed with you. OK, well, 
I'm just go with my saving first, that soundbite. Yeah. And I'm just going to put it in all my editing just wherever you talk about me. I'm always impressed with you. And then just keep going. <laughs> okay. What you Perfect. got? While filming Lara Croft Tomb Raider, Angelina had a stunt double to perform her character stunts for her. True or false? False. She did her own stunts. Wow. She yeah. sure did. Yeah. She I'm did so her mad own I stunts. I got that first one wrong. I, feel I gotta really say, I love a good action-packed Angelina Jolie movie. I love Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's one of my favorite really? movies. Oh my gosh. Yes. I love that movie. I think I've said this before and you shot me down and said that it's not good. And I also shot back and said it was great. Shots so. fired. Um, it's <laughs> fine. I, you know, I, I feel like I've may I've seen it, but I either it didn't stick with me or it just didn't like or I was mad about the whole Jennifer Aniston thing. It could have been. But I don't even really like Jennifer. Oh, I got to stop talking. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay, last one for me. Uh, Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston created the production company Plan B Entertainment. True or false? False. True, actually. They oh. did. And then I think Brad Pitt might be the only owner of it now or something. But there's been like several movies that actually were Academy Award winners. Can't remember them offhand. But wow. when I saw it earlier, I remember. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, it was kind of okay. cool. All right. I have one last one. Okay. Angelina Jolie is six foot one. False. Do you know how tall she is? <sighs> I'm going to say five nine. I don't know celebrities. Well, why wouldn't you? I figured that would be just common. I figured that would be on the list no. of things that you just commit to memory. No, I, I try not to. No, no, no. But I know most of their relationships for some right. <laughs> unhealthy reasons. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. She is not six foot one. She's actually five foot eight. Um, okay. I thought she was taller than that, but I didn't. I, I didn't think she was six feet, but I definitely thought she was maybe like 5'10 or 5'11. I'm surprised that she's only 5'8. Mandy, you think everyone that's taller than you I know. is like I have 10 no feet taller than you. perspective. Like my perspective is very skewed because I'm way down here at the floor. So I everybody know. looks really tall to me. You're down there and we're up here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm big. You're small. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we could say that a different way. I'm tall. Thank you. <laughs> Okie dokie. This was fun. This was a blast. This was a really strange case. And it I'm was, glad that wow. I came across it so that we Me could too. talk about it on the podcast. All right, Melissa. Have a great week. Have a great week. We will see you guys all same time, same place, new story next week. Same time, same place, new story. What is happening? I'm saying have a great week again because I don't know how else to end this. Have a great <laughs> okay. week. All right. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.